Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Man Cave Huddle. I'm your host, Greg, and today's episode, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about uh, the financial market for a little bit, as well as um, talking about NBA playoffs that transpired. But um, let's talk about the money, because if you when the money's right, everything is right, because if you ain't got no money, you ain't got no honey. So when we talk about um, finance, um, how about these banks that are going into foreclosure? First Republic um, just got taken over by J.P. Morgan Chase uh, in March. We had a couple banks go under, one in Silicon Valley, which is a little um, frightening in that you'd think in Silicon Valley you'd be good with all those um, internet companies or, you know, how should I say, um, technology companies. Um, yeah, although many feel like we are in a recession, many feel that we are in an inflationary period. Uh, it's true we are, but they feel that although inflation is here, the inflation is going to go down and then the recession is going to happen. So it's still a hold on to your money period from what I've been reading, what I've been seeing. Some industries are doing well. Entertainment and leisure has come back. When you look at Hilton. And you look at Marriott, especially the CEO of Marriott International was on CNBC talking about how in the first quarter they've done really well. When you look at the stock of Marriott, they've been booming. So I guess in terms of the financial capabilities of Americans in wanting to go on vacation and stay at Marriott associated hotels, that business is still there. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at booking a hotel room just for one night just that you know have um a little uh, a, a a little fun night you know no responsibilities no kids just a fun night with wifey and um i last year the same hotel the whole the, the, the room was like around you know 220 250 i looked this year and it's 340 so you could see that, A, yes, we're in an inflationary time. And B, uh, Marriott's, you know, killing it because they raised the money. People are still meeting that price point and they are making that money. Um, when it comes to those that are really good investors and know what they're talking about, I don't know if anybody that's listening cares, but uh, Berkshire Hathaway, who um, obviously, you know, is they, they make they make the money. OK, and um, they're having their annual shareholders meeting this Saturday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it's going to be Saturday, May 6th at 10 a.m. You can watch live on CNBC and CNBC.com. So that's something that I might be interested in, because, you know, when you talk about Berkshire Hathaway and you talk about the owner, he's somebody that is well renowned in the world of finance business. And he really knows how to get that money. So I want to hear where he feels the market's going to go where it is, and how things might unfold in the future. So um, that is what I have for you in business. I will try and provide you a little bit more information as I learn more. I'm not a financial guru. I'm learning. So if I make mistakes, bear with me. But I'm just trying to learn so I can secure a future for myself and my loved ones in the future. Because at my age, I'm not confident whatsoever in Social Security. And I am not an actor. I am not an athlete. Um, I have not won the lottery yet. So I got to work. 
So I need to know where the money is so I can put my money in there and follow the money, as they say. But let's talk um, about NBA playoffs and things that had transpired last night. Last night, we had uh, game two between the Heat at Knicks. The Heat took game one in epic fashion. And in game two, there was no Jimmy Butler, but the Knicks had a... Julius Randle back along with the Jalen Brunson who is rumored to have been rumored to miss potentially miss the game with the sore foot um in saying that the Knicks won this game 111 105 but this wasn't a whole hummer and the Heat made a late push a late push late this was a game in which the Heat had control of this game for the majority of the second half and even I would say Halfway through the second quarter on and just a late surge in the fourth quarter, you had uh, players making big plays. You had players like um, Jalen Brunson. You had players like. um, I'm here, Julius Randle, and you had players like um, R.J. Barrett. Um, I'm just I just want to look at some numbers and point some numbers out to you. This was a game in which. Um, they won 111-105. The Knicks scored 35 points in the fourth quarter. The Heat, 28. If I would have told you, going into this game two, at home, with Julius Randle, and you would have R.J. Barrett scoring 24 points, 5 for 9 from 3, you would have have Brunson, 30 points, 6 for 10 from 3. You would have... Julius Randle, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. And he went, well, 3 for 9 is respectable nowadays. But to 25, 12, and 8, those are, when you talk about R.J. Barrett, that's what he's been giving you all year. When you look at Brunson, that's what he's been giving you all year. You look at Randle, that's what he's been giving you all year. The bench, the bench is the bench. They're young, it's being developed, but... When you talk about a Tom Thibodeau team, it's about the five guys that are starting, and they're gonna get it. You're gonna win. He's gonna win and lose with those guys. Now, what is um, alarming to me is when you have that production and the Heat coming into this series, no Tyler Hero, the Heat coming into this game, no Jimmy Butler, and then you have Gabe Vincent going four for twelve from three, but he had twenty one points. Throw in Max Struess with seventeen and a 22-point effort from Caleb Martin, right? What I'm saying to you is this. It was a win, and that's what you want, even up the series, and let's go down south to Miami, and it might be a neutral court, considering every New Yorker has a family relative in the state of Florida, most likely in Miami, so that potentially could be a neutral court game. But my point to you is, is that What I saw in game one and what I saw in game two is this. The Knicks were able to hit three-point shots down the stretch late to take the lead, keep the lead, and extend the lead. I mean, when you look at um, dudes like Josh Hart, he had four point, he had 14 points, but he had two dagger threes like in the last five minutes of the game. Okay. And for me, it just feels like the paint has been cut off. And what they're forcing the Knicks to do is shoot and make threes. And yesterday, they did that. And they did that at an efficient clip. They shot the three at 40%, going 16 for 40. Can they do that consistently throughout this series? I don't know. 
can the, the, the Heat do it consistently? That, I don't know either because the Heat weren't a great shoot, three-point shooting team, but with the culture and, you know, it's like when you play the Heat in the postseason, throw out the regular season because when you play the Heat in the postseason, it's a ball fight. They turn basketball games into a ball fight and if, if anybody here has ever seen a bar fight, it basically comes down to drunk people fighting and whoever connects with the most punches because everybody's drunk. And the Heat want to do that because when it comes to toughness, when it comes to culture, when it comes to who are these guys, but yet they step in, step up, and they hit big shots and just do what they're supposed to do, that's the Miami Heat. And the Knicks won. They did what they're supposed to do. But this is going to be a big game three because I'm not saying game three is the deciding game but you see and I say this every year game one is the easiest game to win for any team because you're figuring out how teams are going to play each other right game two game two is now we've made this adjustment to what you're doing and you're still doing that now game three both teams know what both teams are doing both teams now are trying to defensively disguise what they're doing to stop the other team. And then when you play game four, now there's a team, you can either be two and two, you could be three and one, or you could be three and oh. But the point is, is that game four, we are now entering a zone of a statement. And game five is the pivot game. Because now when you look at game six and seven, one team either has to win one or and another team has to win two to win. So game three is the, we both know what's really hood right now. Now let's really play basketball. Great game though, between these two. Very fascinating. And um, I'm excited to see how it unfolds for this series. I could see this game series going seven games. Seriously, I could see it going seven. Um, the other game that took place, it was the um, LA Lakers at the Golden State Warriors. And this was a game in which, you know, um, a lot of people have been saying Anthony Davis needs to be the best player on the court for the Lakers to win, although they have LeBron James. I don't know if I'm not sold on that yet, that Anthony Davis has to be the best player on the court for the Lakers to win a title because, um, his consistency has been there, but at a high level and him being injury prone, you wonder now last night, this boy had 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. Okay. Now that is classic, typical old school, high top fade AD. Are you going to consistently get that moving forward or not? That is the question. Because him playing the way that he did last night, they could sit there and win in Golden State. That was an epic performance. But the only reason that gives me pause to say does he need to be the best player on the court is you have LeBron James. Everybody's saying, hands down, he's quote-unquote the greatest player that's ever played. The Jordan-LeBron debate. So now we're at the point where LeBron James doesn't need to be the best player on the court. It's his teammate, but yet we're saying LeBron James is the best player that's ever played. Now, LeBron James does need things for him to be as effective as he is. He needs players to, he needs a running mate, which is completely understandable. This is not a one-man game. and He needs shooters. 
And he got a performance last night from Schroeder that was very, um, how should I say, necessary. Three-point shooting as a team was not there, which is scary because when you play the Golden State Warriors, if you're not knocking down threes, you better defend and board. And they did that last night. And Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench with 19 points was crucial. Okay? Now, when you're looking at the Warriors and I see what transpired in the game, I mean, you had, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, rebounds, you had AD with 23 rebounds, and then you had Looney with 10 points, 23 rebounds himself, and five assists. That is a great game. That, to me, is in his lane, AD worthy, because Looney is not going to score. He needs to set picks, screens, rebound, and clean stuff up underneath the rim and put back stuff and run run rim to rim and protect. That is a great game out of Looney, in my opinion. But then when you look at other players, you got Wiggins, 15 points, Curry, you know, it was mild sauce last night. It wasn't hot picante Curry, 6 for 13 from 3, only 27 points. I say only, but... He gave a 50-burger to the Kings, and Curry was shooting. He was shooting. You know, he had 24 shots last night, 27 points. And then you had Clay Thompson with 25 and Jordan Poole with 21. When I look at this game, the Warriors were down big. And in typical Warrior fashion, a lot of threes, late surge, big comeback, tied the game. And then the Lakers, they took a three-point lead. And there was a sequence that, to me, it was the story of the game. Uh, I believe they were down by two. And um, the Golden State Warriors come down. And you get a sequence of Steph Curry taking a three. It was missed. Andrew Wiggins gets the rebound. Finds Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson shoots a three. It was missed. Andrew Wiggins gets another rebound. Finds Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole takes a three. It was missed. And then the Lakers got the rebound, brung it down, scored, and then it became a free throw shooting contest after that. But to me, when you have Poole, Thompson, and Curry all miss threes, then you begin to feel it might not be our night, in my personal opinion. Now, Andrew Wiggins, I feel that he is the linchpin to the Warriors, period. Because he is the Andre Iguodala 2.0. When Iguodala played, LeBron had to worry about him defensively. He had to worry about him offensively. Last night, Andrew Wiggins, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 6 for 14 from the field. Good shooting percentage, 1 for 5 from 3. But in terms of volume and production, I didn't see that out of Wiggins. And I'm not saying that he needs to score 30 points. He needs to make LeBron work so that when LeBron gets the ball on offense, he's more so wanting to pass the ball to guys like Reeves or Russell or Vanderbilt. And not that those guys aren't great. They're great. Well, they're good. They're not great. LeBron is great. They're good. But what I'm saying is I would rather them other guys shoot shots than LeBron or last night AD. This is going to be a very interesting series. I think that the Lakers found a defensive strategy against Curry and the Warriors are going to need to adjust 
Because one thing that I've always found and seen when teams play the Warriors, why do they give Curry airspace? Like, at all. Like, at all. Like, I've always felt like I would rather double-team Curry and figure out a way on how to zone up the rest of the court to prevent shooting. And somebody will be open, yes. But Curry, once he hits the logo, he's in range. Klay Thompson, he's like that too. But Curry, like, Klay Klay Thompson is, is like hot sauce. But then Curry is that habanero where it's like you feel like you just tasted straight acid in your mouth and it's like burning your throat. You know what I'm saying? Where Clay Thompson, he's hot sauce where it's like flavor and you feel that it's hot. And you're like, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh. But like Curry is just straight like habanero sauce. So like to me, that's what the, the Lakers were doing. They were doubling him off of every pick and roll, basically backing him up to back to, to half court. And they weren't then the second double-team player was then leaving Curry and finding his man, and then Curry will cook and shoot the three. No, they were forcing him to get the ball out of his hand. And then it was a point in the game late when they were down, they were forcing the ball to Curry to score, but he couldn't score because they were double-teaming every time he had the ball. Game within the game. It's going to be fascinating for game two. But, um, you know, this is a going to be a game of smarts, and it's going to be a game of execution. Tactics, strategy are important, but who can execute the plan the best is going to win each and every game. So um, that's what I got for you in terms of finance, in terms of the playoffs. They happen every night. I'm going to try and talk to you every night, every day or do um, what I can to give you your sports information. Now, uh, one thing that I wanted to say and I wanted to give to you as a, uh, a quote, and this quote is one that I've embodied. Um, I know who I am, what I am, and I know how people have seen me. And lately, I've just been telling people that um, it's a new Greg. And when I say it's a new Greg, I mean, uh, the people that know me, jokey, jokey, maybe I don't need to be like that with everybody and maybe be a little bit more serious, look people in the eye and not tell jokes. And the quote, the positive quote that I have for today for everybody. And if you feel that in terms of you being a in a place, spot, wherever in life, and you need to evolve and change and become the next level, the better version of you. And let's not forget, for every level, there's a different devil. All right? That's not the quote, but just know when you level up, there's a different devil waiting for you there. So you best be ready because it, it, it's coming. But the quote is this, RIP to my old self, that caring motherfucker had to die. RIP to my old self. That caring motherfucker had to die. Why? Because sometimes when you are so caring and do so much for others and at the drop of a dime, you would give so much. But then when you see when you are in a situation where the scenario is flipped, that individual whom which you would give everything for, 
and I'm not talking about your spouse. It could be sibling, brother, friend, close friend, whomever. And when the roles are reversed and they look at you with that, you get what you get. Where meanwhile, you were given yourself, but they look at you with the, you get what you get. I'm at the point now where the box got a lock and key. And there's a certain amount of people that's allowed in. Because that old dude that cared about everything, I'm not saying he got to die, but he's just not for everybody to see. So that's my quote for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>